Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Oh, Heather, welcome to Renegade Rules. We're we're back together, and uh, and uh, since we recorded last, um, summer started. So, uh, I know. so you must summer. be you must be like the cruise director at your house, huh? Keeping the boys busy all the time, and you got a clipboard and and uh, coming up with the ideas for them and everything. You know, that is what people ask me. Well, they don't usually ask me about my clipboard. Um, but, and I don't have one. Would you like one? But they do ask, well, I, 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 the kids each have a clipboard, you know, for writing when they're um, in awkward places yeah. and you need a hard surface. So clipboards, I believe, are very useful. But what people are always asking me at this time of year, is they're kind of rolling their eyes and saying, how do we entertain the kids for the summer? And this question just floors me because it's the whole, I mean, it's, where do you start with a question like that? It's, um, it's the whole notion of that children are meant to be entertained and we, the adults, are meant to be the entertainers or at least set them up so that they are um, in an entertainment center environment. Yeah, we, we noticed this when we were doing, <coughs> excuse me. I'm allergic to all outside right now. We got some pollen dropping in the yard. Um, we, in our family program, we would send these vital, self-directed young people off to kindergarten, and they would show up at our house at summer vacation. Well, for the first time it had happened to be during Christmas break. They would come back to us during that vacation time, and they, they had lost their ability to go figure out their own thing and it seemed like the older kids got, the the less capable they became at that. When they were two and three and four four years old, it was good, but then they got put into these systems where there was always an adult telling them what to do, uh, acting as cruise director, and, and they kind of they lost the ability to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Now, I think there's a critical uh, change we need to make with what you just said. They haven't lost the ability They've just gotten rusty. Okay, yeah. Because they can still do it. Well, it's, got, it's, it's like a habit, lost, huh? Yeah, they've lost their confidence. Ah. And that also, we as adults have lost our confidence, both that they in ourselves that it's okay that they can just do their own thing, and confidence to give them and, and reflect it back and to say, I know you'll find something, and just that belief in them. So, yes, yeah, sometimes it seems, I've seen this happen with kids who've, say, gone to an extremely structured school program or even preschool program mm-hmm. where they're always told what to do. And then when you give them time on their own, they stand bewildered like a deer in headlights and they just don't know how to arrange their, their time and their play and their ideas. So when you encounter a kid, and it can happen, unfortunately, fast, as you just described. You know, you send these self-directed kids off to school, mm-hmm. and in a couple of months, they come back, and they they seem like they can't do it anymore. Yeah. They can do it, and we have to really keep that deep trust 
underlying everything or or will just capitulate and, and start entertaining them. Um, they can do it. They need our boost of confidence to tell them, wow, if they say, I'm bored, um, I don't know what to do, and, and do that kind of I'm bored routine. Mm-hmm. Well, reflect that confidence back to them and say, wow, sounds like you're you're – you're not sure what to do right now. I know you will find something. <laughs> and then silence after that. Um, and in my house, it happens only with one child who occasionally says the I'm bored comment and expects me to fix it. And I'll tell him something like that. And usually it produces a squawk of dismay because <laughs> he wants somebody else to fix this problem. But Within 10 minutes, he's settled to something, and it's something of his own idea, and he's fully engrossed in it. Um, so you have to give it time, and if they're coming to you with feelings, you know, they're frustrated at you or mad at you for not, but I'm bored, you know, fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, deal with their feelings. It's a feeling. Wow, that you really don't like being at loose ends. It's really bothering you right now. But I wouldn't find them anything to do. It seems like what you are doing at the moment is dealing with big feelings. You don't have to tell them that, but that's what they're doing. Uh-huh. They're doing something, but um, they and, might need help to get through it. And so if you're that parent of, say, a six- or seven-year-old, and you have been acting as as party clown and cruise director for six or seven years, and you're kind of kind of over it, and you want to make this this change the first time you try what you just described, uh, what do you suppose the reaction of that child is going to be? Well, you're painting a picture of going from one um, extreme to the other. And I think and, uh, this, this part, there's a whole chapter actually in the It's Okay to Go Up the Slide book. It's called Families Are Not Entertainment Centers. So you can dive into this if this is something you're thinking, oh, this is my family. <laughs> so if you are, um, if you have what I call fallen into the trap of becoming a family entertainment center uh-huh. rather than being a family, a family entertainment center, you know, uh, if they have a down moment, oh, let's pop in a video or let's schedule an activity or, <laughs> or that you feel that you must be the one to keep them busy at all times. If that describes your family, then... Take it a little slowly. I wouldn't go straight from one extreme to the other unless you like doing everything in life, cold turkey. Yeah, <laughs> you, could, you, you could get whiplash. <laughs> you might get whiplash. But one thing I would do is announce the change to your kids and just say, if this is going to be a big change, just tell them. Mm-hmm. We've been um, going on outings every day. We've been um, using videos a lot. We've been whatever it is you do and say, now we're going to be um, – giving you all morning to do your own play and just announce it because this will be a shock. They expect a pattern and they expect you to behave more or less how you did yesterday. So go ahead and announce it. And you can also, especially if the kids are young, you can be nearby when they're playing on their own. So um, if you're always involved in their play and they don't know how to play without you, say, you're going to play on your own, but I can be in the same room. Or I'll be in the next room. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to go completely cold turkey on them. Yeah, but the, the idea is you're transitioning them until they get the idea. <laughs> and don't worry because it's inborn in children. All yeah. this unlearning 
um, is what's not natural. So they will get it. You have to trust that. Yeah, grand, granddaughter Rowan has has struggled with this a little bit because I mean we do a lot of stuff together, and and, and I mean we both dig that, but. I mean, she needs to go off and do her own thing sometimes, and so uh, we 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 do this thing where where I'll I decide. Well, okay, I got to get some yard work done, and so um, she's got her whole play area outside, and so Papa will do be doing yard work and working on the tomatoes and all that kind of stuff, and she'll be she'll be off uh, mixing up potions or or smashing stuff or whatever it is, and and so I'm 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 there, but she's on her own, and and that's just kind of a security blanket kind of thing for them. Right, as being in the same space, you're either all in the um, you know kitchen together, you're all outside together, but you're doing your own thing. And I think that uh, we don't talk about this much, but it's just critical for adult sanity. Um, I love being with kids. I love the ideas kids come up with most of the time. But I also like and need my own adult space. And if we don't get enough of that, we don't parent well and we don't take care of ourselves well. So I think this is a, a trap a lot of parents find themselves in, and we kind of wonder, how did we get there? But if you're feeling a, a little unstable, <laughs> it may be because you're not giving yourself permission to be who you are, which is a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old or whatever age you are, uh-huh. and you have different needs than the child's need for endless repetition or whatever the play might be. Yeah, and so that's a, that's a big benefit for, for us as the adults, but there, there are also lots of benefits for children being empowered to go off and figure out their own thing as well. Um, I mean, there's there it allows their creativity to blossom. It allows them to kind of be the boss and be empowered and be the leader of, uh, of their activity. And, and so there's a lot of, a lot of that, and there's a lot of self-regulation that comes with it and a lot of other valuable, juicy things that, that we as adults want to help children develop. Right. And I think also, besides when we're talking about trust, that, that trust that they can play, um, also trust that they will still love you even if you say no to them. I mean, no to being their playmate. Mm-hmm. This is something I find adults feel terribly guilty. You know, they hear all those, what is it, the Harry Chapin song? Um, and they talk about how the child, you know, wants to play baseball, and the dad is always too busy rushing around, and in the end, he's all sad that he missed his kid's childhood. So we get all these messages that childhood is fleeting, and we must you know, pay attention to them now, which there's a lot of truth to that. But it's also true you don't need to do that every minute. And if you're about to do something else or you're in the middle of doing something else, it's okay to tell them, um, I'm busy doing this right now. Uh, I can I can play ball with you, but right now I'm you know weeding the tomato plants mm-hmm. or whatever it is you're doing. You can invite them to help if it's a task they can help. But there are um, especially I find adults who did not get enough time with their own parents and feel they didn't have a time to to play catch with uh-huh. their mom or their dad. They feel as if they need to drop everything if the child asks. And so just trust that. They will be able to handle no, not right now. They will still love you. They will still be there when you can play ball with them later. Yeah, there's there's so almost uh, overcompensation there. Yeah. So just it's another level of trust. It's so, and also, as you say, the child is learning a lot, is that I'm not the full center of this family. I'm important, but I'm not the only one who speaks and everybody jumps. Um, that's hugely important to developing a, a human being everybody wants to be around. Mm-hmm. And also developing resiliency. If somebody says no to them, 
that they can cope with that. That's a, an emotional skill that's important whether they're interacting with other children or interacting with adults they care about. So what about when this, this script gets flipped? Because I, I've had these experiences where I'll have, I'll, I'll, I'll say, well, maybe we should go try this or do that or, or go here. And, and either it was with my kids when, when they were smaller or with the grandkid and, and they'll be like, Oh, no, sorry, Papa. I'm, I'm sorry, dad. I'm, I'm, I got something else going down. And, uh, and, and so sometimes we want to be, we want to take that role of, uh, of, uh, entertainment center, uh, and they got other things going on and, and we, as the adults got to be able to take a breath and step back and let that be an okay thing too, because, we want yeah, that. That's we, another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. For example, there's a lot of cute little kid activities that they have out in the communities. Maybe the library is having a teddy bear picnic, and you want to bring your kids, and won't you all look cute? And you'll get a nice photo you can put up on Facebook with all the teddy bears or whatever the mm-hmm. event is. There's so many things you can go do, and a lot of them are child events where you need a kid to really. <laughs> Yeah. Let yourself do it. You know, maybe it's go fly a kite in the park, but you could go do that technically, but it looks better if you have your grandkids or your kids with you. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes we really want to go do something, and the kid is very busy, maybe banging a stick on a tree or lining up all their cars in a certain way or playing a game of dress up, whatever they're immersed in. And this is really their highest learning, and they're already doing it and being put in the car and being dragged off to some healthy, enriching child activity (laughs) may be the exact opposite of what what they need right now. So I think when we as adults decide it's time to go somewhere, we need to make sure that the place we're going is important, either for our mental health, yes, I really need to go fly a kite right now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or it's, you know, we need to go to the grocery store, we need to get something, and it's just um, non-negotiable. Decide if it's really important, and if it's not that important, be prepared to let it go and and realize your child is already doing the most um, amazing play she can be at this moment. Yeah, yeah. When they're fully engaged in something, you gotta you gotta have a really good reason for for uh, bopping in and and interrupting that. Right, and sometimes changing the venue is fine. Maybe they're really they've been engrossed playing in there room or some part of the house all day and you need to get them outside because being outside is important so maybe you can just come Mm -hmm. in and change the location even though the play can go on but there's times we need to nudge them into new directions yeah it doesn't mean that we have to completely interrupt what they're doing so with this whole entertainment thing, Heather, we talked about, you know, if, if you find yourself being this and you want to get away from it, um, strategies for that. But if you are a new parent and you got a six-week-old at home and you want to raise them up to, uh, to be that child who doesn't see you as the entertainment center, what are, when, when do you start that and, and what are the strategies for doing that? Well, I think you can start uh, from the beginning. Um, I know that a lot of people feel they even have to entertain their babies all the time. Um, Babies, if they get what they need from you, which is, you know, security and sleep and occasional food and and, um, looking at you and some of your voice now and then, they don't really want much more than that. So they don't need endless things dangling in front of their Mm -hmm. eyes or lots of games of peekaboo or... You know, when they're very young, they really don't want all that. 
also um, get in the habit of accepting that their needs are um, fewer than maybe you want them to be because if you're a new parent, you want to play with your kids. It's so exciting. They're brand new. Yeah. They, they, they got that but fresh baby smell. Time and... for that later. Yeah. Yeah, you can enjoy the smell yeah. well, most of the time. So, so it's okay to, I mean, if they're content, it's okay to, to, to take a couple steps away from them? Absolutely. In fact, that's, that's good um, body language reading um, for later on, too. I, I, I've been seeing this with, uh, with, with grandbaby Riker, grandbaby 2.0. Um, he's, he's, uh, been spending time, you know, he'll have it, have had his tummy time on the floor and he'll be down on, on a blanket and all that kind of stuff. And just, just interacting with the world. And his mama gets to take a couple steps away and work on a, a crocheting project or, or whatever it is, or, or, or eat without somebody sitting in her lap, those kind of things. And it's real nice, but now he's getting mobile. So when he wants that engagement, man, he just flips over and, and he'll chase you across the house. He's not, he's not quite up on his hands and knees crawling yet. He's still doing that drag, that army crawl on his belly, which is, which is awesome. But, but, uh, he's, he's gotten quick at it. And so, so he can follow you around. Now, what about when they get mobile and they start becoming mobile infants and toddlers and they're, they're always up in your grill, Heather, and wanting you to do things to them and for them and with them? Well, you have to, you have to set your boundaries. And, you know, one thing you can do even with a toddler is decide when you're on duty in the morning. So we had a morning light that we rigged up to a timer, and it was a very gentle little night light, small light that would come on when it was an appropriate time of day to wake up. And for that, for us, that was 6 a.m. But if they were trying to play with us and get us attention earlier than that, it was forget about it. It's sleep time. So, but this also gives this child a signal of, um, oh, I see it really is morning. Because where I live up north, it's dark. Forever. It could, it could be almost noon if you're not <laughs> yeah. sure if it's night or day. <laughs> so the child might wake up and feel ready to go and ready to play and really have no signal. So we gave them a little gentle signal. When the light was on, they could um, call for us or get up. And if the light was off, it had to be an emergency. And kids very young can get this. But I think that also establishes just a, a family rhythm of if you get up early, you can get up, but you have to play by yourself quietly. And I'm not available and on duty um, until it's actually morning time you, or you, whatever sacred times of day that you establish. You've talked about this before, and uh, granddaughter Rowan has a clock that apparently they set. They can set it so that the it turns green when it's get-up time. Um, I, I, I haven't actually seen the clock myself, but she, she told me, Papa, I slept, I, I slept until after my talk, my clock turned green. Um, and so I don't know if her mommy and daddy heard the podcast cause I, I've given them the books too. Um, or maybe they found it's it. On, in, yeah. yeah. Maybe they, they might've found it by the, by their, by their own selves, but, um, it's it, an old idea. I did not invent Yeah. It. But she, she, I mean, she used to have a big problem getting up at like Four fifteen in the morning and wanting everybody else to be up and and they got this thing and and trained her up on it and everybody's life got better. Um, and I think sleep is one of the, the areas that we really need to. I'm not talking about infant sleep so much, yeah. but child sleep. There's people who will tell me I haven't had a good night's sleep since my um, daughter was born and she's eight years old now. Uh huh. And I think, oh well. <laughs> you need to work on that. 
<laughs> well, it's the same motto I have for the whole um, Renegade Parenting books. If something's bothering you, it's time to make a change. Mm-hmm. So if you are bothered by having disrupted sleep for eight years, <laughs> this is a choice. It doesn't. <laughs> you can take steps, and there's a lot of sleep resources out there and, and a lot of reasons why it's unhealthy both for you and for your child. Um, and this is a very dicey topic because a lot of parents will immediately get defensive and say, oh, but I, we tried everything. It just doesn't work mm-hmm. for my kids. But if you're serious about not liking the situation um, and you're serious about trying to give your child a healthy start, there are options that will work for you. Maybe the light isn't the one, but there will be some other option that will work for you um, to help everybody understand what the bodies need to do at nighttime. Yeah, there are tools out there, so taking advantage of, of them is a good idea. And so what else can we be doing to, uh, to take off the entertainment director role? Any other tips or suggestions or it's, anecdotes it's really while we wrap all, uh, Yeah, it's all the same ideas that go through all my work, which is it's setting limits, setting appropriate limits on another human being and being willing to stand up for yourself and enforce those limits. So it's just like a child taking, um, you know, your your shovel in the sandbox and saying, no, I'm still using it. You can have it when I'm done. That's setting a limit. It's the same thing. You're setting a limit on what you're going to do with your time and when and being confident about that. So and, and, and standing up for adult time, whether it's your time to do something quietly for a moment. Um, when I was little, my mom... For her, it was letter writing. She wrote a weekly letter to her mother, and that letter writing time was sacred to her, and Mm -hmm. she set extremely firm boundaries. We did not bother her when she was writing her letters. So young children can learn this. You just have to decide what's important to you, make it clear, and stand up for yourself. And a lot of times we um, sacrifice our partners. So our parenting partners or spouses or whoever they are, um, we need to be able to talk with them sometimes and not have the kids feel they can barge in at any time. Um, it's partly politeness, you know, basic interruption, but t- sometimes kids uh, wait a moment and then they're ready to talk. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you're carving out time. I'm talking to mom right now. This is our time together. I will let you know when um, you can come into the living room and talk to us, but right now we're having together time. So whatever it is that's bothering you or you feel that you need to make sacred time, go ahead, set the rules. It's your family, your life, your household, and the kids will um, bloom into uh, finding things to do on their own. Uh, Makes perfect sense. Not always easy to do, but none of this stuff is. It takes a little bit of effort and some trial and error. and and, It takes some transition. Yeah. It takes complete trust that they can do it, and not only can they do it, but it, they'll start to really enjoy it, and it'll be good for them on so many different developmental levels. Yeah. Before we wrap up, Heather, can you tell can you tell the people that it's it's okay for for young human beings to be bored once in a while too? Because uh, um, there's <laughs> yay. Uh, yes. Don't be scared of boredom. Um, in fact, time when a brain can just wander around and think its own thoughts or just relax is fine. There's nothing wrong about boredom. Unless a kid is stuck in a class with a very boring teacher. Yeah, yeah. And the, the hour is endless. There's different <laughs> kinds of boredom. But if they're home 
or out at the park or somewhere and they're feeling bored, that's an okay boredom it, and they will be able to cope with it just fine. It's probably something nobody's ever died of too, huh? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to look into the research. Uh, hey, this has been, this has been Renegade Rules. Uh, we will be back soon with another episode. Uh, go out there and, uh, Go out there and do something in the world, people. Thanks for listening. We uh, we enjoy your support. We enjoy your listening. We enjoy uh, the feedback. Uh, keep it up. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.